Welcome back to the show, good people of the world. I'm your host, Kevin Kaiser. And before we dive into today's show, I want to let you in on some changes that are happening here with the show and the direction of the show. Uh, If you've listened in at all, you know that we talk about how to live a good story that's worth telling. And often that is focused primarily on the business side of being a creative entrepreneur and how to take your passion and purpose and do something meaningful with it. Well, over time, I've heard from so many of you that the things that resonate most are the bigger issues of life that also feed into our business life. Things like how to deal with depression and anxiety, how to be more productive, you know, things that that feed our souls so that we can go do our work and put food on our tables. So um, going forward, I'm going to be working on shows that that feed our souls as well as the business side of who we are. And all of those things are near and dear to my heart because we are all on a journey, right? Life is way more than our businesses. It's way more than money. It's way more than notoriety. And so I want to talk about those things and we will. So um, over the next few months, you're going to see more and more topics, uh, more and more conversations like the one I had with Tosca Lee about how do you overcome anxiety in practical ways. You know, we're going to talk about productivity. We're going to talk about how to take care of yourself so that you can um, do things, do work in life that matters. Because the truth is, any work that you do is going to flow out of who you are as a person and how healthy you are. You can only give to people what you have. So with that, I want to welcome you. Thanks for sticking around. Today's show is amazing. It's with my friend Ken Ott, who is a specialist in marketing and branding. We talk specifically about uh, the trend toward mobile, what you should be doing right now with your business, and also how to balance uh, creative time with marketing time. So Ken Ott is here. He's going to drop some knowledge on us. And with that, we're going to get right into it. Ken, my friend, welcome. Thanks, man. I know it's like it's it is freaking cold here still, dude. I, I you know I'm from New York originally, so I came down here thinking it wasn't gonna ever snow, and it has a lot this week. Yeah. Now, okay, so so you are. What is your official title at Medicake? My official title is um, well, I'm in charge of. I'm the director of design and technology for Medicake, and so. Everything brand and design related generally runs through me at the highest level. Um, And because of my uh, quite schizophrenic past, I would say, I've got a pretty heavy technology focus and experience in my life. And so I generally lead the the technology direction for Medicaid. Okay. Well, how about, why don't we start there and talk a little bit about what Medicaid is and then... You know, a little bit about your story from your schizophrenic beginnings all the way up until up until now. You know, give us paint us a picture of what what your journey's like and what Medicaid is and does. Sure, yeah, I'll try to do my best to stay concise. Uh, well, Medicaid is a what we call a customer focused design, technology, and marketing team. And so, what customer customer focus means is we. Um, we do branding, design, technology, development, and marketing, but we come at it um, through the window of 
the customer, whoever the end user and the customer is, um, it's our belief that if we give the end user, like whoever our customer's customer is, right, that end user, the person using whatever this product is, if we give them the best experience, um, then it will be more valuable to them and thusly make the product itself more successful and, and valuable to, to our clients. And so we try and approach everything we do. Um, we do a lot of mobile design and development. We do a lot of website development. Um, we do lots of marketing campaigns. Um, it sort of spans the gamut of, of uh, digital things um, and even some non-digital, but we come at sort of every one of those from the, 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 the window of the end customer, who they are, what they want to accomplish on whatever this is or what they want to get out of it. And then we try and give that to them as best as possible. Yeah. Which, which actually, it, it seems to me that that, that is where a lot of businesses get it wrong or people who want to launch businesses because they, they assume that they know what the audience what wants. Yes. And that we, we struggle with that. We sort of, coach our clients through that every day um it seems seems like everybody everyone thinks they know who their customer is and what they want but the only real way to know who your customer is and what they want is by kind of asking them and obviously you can't always do that um at the beginning but once you do have a customer base um uh then you can you can definitely use different methods and tools to make sure that you're giving them a valuable product or experience, whatever that may be. Right. Right. Well, and maybe we can come back to that of, you know, how do you, how do you define your audience before you actually have one? Because that's, you know, for a lot of people, I would say even, even for established business owners in that first year, they're figuring out, Oh, well, wow. I don't really know who this person is that I'm trying to get to. Um, Mm -hmm. But so Talk about your background a little bit because you're, you know, you, you said it's schizophrenic, but in a lot of ways, I feel like having varied skills is an asset really because it enables you to think differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am, uh, so I started out, I have sort of this left brain, right brain thing going on throughout my entire life. So, like, large portions of my life have been um, inside of. Uh, a lot of the creative arts, um, like I play a lot of, I've, from, from the kid, I grew up playing, you know, three or four different instruments, writing songs, um, doing music. I actually did that professionally and I've, I'm currently part of several writer groups and, uh, and have, uh, you know, been able to pitch and have, have, have songs recorded by different people, which is, which is part of my life. And then, uh, of course, I'm in Nashville, so so that's uh, that's easier done here than other places. Um, and then, the other side of my life has been uh, highly technical. I, I have a computer engineering degree, a uh, minor in mathematics and and business. Um, and so, ever since you know, I grew up in New York, and I went to, uh, you know, I got the <laughs> in New York when you go to high school, um, you basically if you're in New York City, you basically uh, have to apply to either a specialized high school and get in there, um, or you have to go to your zone school, which is usually pretty bad. 
And so um, I went to a specialized high school called Brooklyn Tech. And in those schools, you get to choose a major. And I chose computer science as my major. This is in high school. Um, and so that's when I sort of started learning about technology. And, you know, we did programming. We did all kinds of different things. Um, that's actually where I started a few businesses in that school. And it's kind of, it kind of just progressed from there. And so those two tracks in my life, that creative and technical side, um, I think is, uh, is for what I've done, very valuable for me. Um, but it's also a challenge sometimes because, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's nice not knowing how something works because um, mm-hmm. you can kind of make more objective decisions. But, uh, um, and, and so, you know, it can be, it's definitely an asset, but definitely it can, it can be a, a downfall sometimes if it's not reined in. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like you said, I mean, it's a real advantage to, to not know what's impossible because you, you know, yeah, because it helps you think, exactly. uh, think much more broadly. So, okay. So you're in New York, you move, so you moved to Nashville, you moved to Nashville to be a musician. Is that right? Well, yeah. So, um, like I said, ever, th- ever since high school, uh, you know, Medicake is, like I said, it's a design technology and marketing company. Um, in high school, I had started the beginnings of what Medicake is uh, today um, and had some clients around New York that we were just doing uh, like some web development for and design and even some marketing. Um, as I, uh, when I, when I graduated college, I left New York City to go on the road and be a full-time um, musician. And uh I decided that corporate culture was not for me because I, I had a few job offers, which I turned down um, to be a poor musician and get on the road. Um, and I basically continued what the concept of, again, what Medicaid is today, uh, built that up while I was on the road um, doing music. Um, I handled all of our, my that company at the time handled all our digital marketing um, you know, for, for what I was doing and, and actually, um, allowed us to do fairly well. Um, you know, because we were sort of, it's the early two thousands. It was like the early age of like a lot of internet and marketing and, um, uh, or, or as far as, as far as music is concerned and we we're able to dominate a lot of things, um, in that, in that arena. And so, yeah, I kind of, I kind of left at that point, did a few years on the road and then ended up moving down to Nashville for, Almost for both reasons, I've always been like, you know, kind of a entrepreneur. I loved being in business for myself and and you know thinking of something really cool and innovative and and executing it. And Nashville had um, all of those qualities. You know, it had the creative side. It had um, a very vibrant entrepreneurial community, and um, it also had a lot of success, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up hearing, you know, if you're, if you hang out with four, four, uh, four poor guys, you're going to be the fifth. Um, and yeah, uh, I think the reverse is true as well. And so, uh, not, and so anyway, that's, I think Nashville had a lot of those qualities for, for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've heard that too, that, you know, we're all the average of the five people, the five most important people that we hang out with. And, and, and truly, I, I've said this before on the podcast, but so much of success seems to come down to proximity, you know, so being, being in, 
in proximity to, like you said, other people that are successful, people who are doing what you want to do that are maybe not a quantum leap ahead, but just a few steps ahead because, because every single uh, opportunity, it really comes through a relationship. You know, we, we owe everything to the people that we're around. We're never alone, right? Yeah, and I absolutely believe that, and that's definitely true for me. I think, um, you know, I think that uh, in my mind, success is, uh, is, is, is largely based on experience, and I think that um, you get that from, from, from mentorship from other people and seeing other successful people and how, you know, how they're working, how, what makes that up. And I think it also, I think the other key factor is confidence. And I don't think, I think it's, it's hard to gain confidence without seeing it done. You know, if you're, if, if you're, if you're every day, what you see every day is a lot of, um, if, if you're, well, if you're, if you're in effectively, um, failure, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all around you. I think it's very difficult to be confident that you can succeed in something. Right. Um, I think it's possible. I just think, I just think that it, that osmosis com- does happen when you're around um, other people doing great things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like it creates a, um, <clears throat> like a gravitational pull and it takes an enormous amount of thrust to overcome, like to break through the atmosphere, you know, like, yeah. like a rocket. So, so how did you start doing that? How, you know, so you come to Nashville, how do you start getting, getting yourself in proximity to successful people? You know, because there are people listening that I'm sure they're saying, wow, this is, this is a great idea. Yeah. Now, how the heck do you start? I think the cool thing is like, you know, with the internet, um, I think you can create those networks of people, even if you're not physically close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, know, it, so if you had to, if you had to start from scratch today, like how yeah. would you do it today? Um, uh, well, you know what, for me, I actually sat in a Starbucks, uh, down in Franklin and worked pretty much most of the time out of that, that little Starbucks. And, uh, I found that to be a place where a lot of people worked and a lot of people that worked there were people running successful businesses. You'd run into someone and it's like, Oh yeah, I started this company and it's massive, or, you know, or I started this company and it's massive, or I'm doing this nonprofit or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I just I just started networking as much as possible in in those settings. And obviously, um, at least for me, and I think this is true for everybody. I mean, I think it's important to have a skill set um, that you can that can contribute to that success because it allows you to contribute to someone else's and that that propels you in many ways, you know? Right. So, right. so for what I did, um, and for what I was good at, from what, for what I was good at, I was able to, you know, partner up with a lot of different people that I just run into and say, Oh, you're working on this. Well, I mean, I can, I can help you with that if, if you're interested or whatever that, mm-hmm. that is. Um, and then, well, as far as the internet's concerned, I mean, I think there's places like LinkedIn and there's uh, meetup.com and there's, um, you know, some networking sites like that. I don't think Facebook really, uh, at least would be where I would start that. But I think in those professional networking settings, um, you can kind of create those networks and relationships with people that are, that are doing great things. Um, and then sort of just kind of like humbling yourself to sort of learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. 
And when you, I'm curious to know what your, you know, what your approach was. So you go, cause lots of people go sit in Starbucks, um, you know, they go to work in Starbucks, but never actually connect with people. They never form the relationships that end up being the, the thing that they look back on and go, Oh my gosh, that's like that conversation is where it all changed. Mm-hmm. So were you, I mean, were you, you know, actively like reaching out, talking to people and asking them, Oh, well, what are you working on? Or what was it yeah. just kind of like happenstance kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, I'm not like an extremely outgoing person by nature. And so, um, I definitely, I wasn't there. And I think that people sniff out desperation. Yeah. Um, it so does I, have a smell to it. It does. And no one really, it, it's kind of got a stench to it, I think to some degree. Um, uh, and so I, I would say like, I think it needs to just be natural. Like I would generally see the same people over and over again. Um, and eventually just kind of be able to start up, strike up conversations with them about what they're doing. And, and I honestly, like if you have genuine interest, then I think that that's kind of where it, the whole thing predicates from that. Right. Um, but I don't think it's, yeah, it's not like sort of, you know, like hounding different people <laughs> yeah, um, or overselling yourself. It's, it's, you know, I think, and I think this goes to a lot of, a lot of things is um, I think that patience is really, is really crucial in building a successful business. Um, but it's often really hard to have that because there are certain scenarios where you're, you are just dis- desperate or, um, you know, or you are fearful and, and having that poise is I think a quality that's that's crucial and you know even something as simple as you know not you know being able to strike the balance of like when you start a conversation with someone in Starbucks and when and when you don't kind of goes to that quality yeah yeah well I think it's an instinct that you build you build over time and at least for me you know I I'm not a super super outgoing person I'm I'm introverted but that I'm not shy uh but I'm the guy who would much rather, you know, go to the coffee shop, put on my headphones, read or write or do, you know, do whatever I need to do, um, which is probably, you know, most of the people that are that are listening to this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm from New York and, you know, I, so when I grew up, I, you'd, ri- you'd ride the subway and you'd ignore everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you New Yorkers, you know, man, you've got that down to a science. It's like it's yeah. a thing for you. <laughs> we don't even know you exist. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to that type of thing. So it, it's not natural for, not necessarily natural for me either, but yeah. also being down South is kind of nice because everyone else is outgoing. So often the conversation, you know, comes to you. Yeah. It, yeah. It, everyone is, is friendlier here. And, you know, for me, I noticed that when things really started changing, when I, I stopped approaching relationships and, and meeting people. Uh, from the vantage point of, um, you know, what was in it for me, you know, so you flip it around and you actually genuinely make it about, okay, now how can I do the most good for the most people right now here? So, you know, as I'm meeting people, it's being more interested in what they're doing and then let them ask what you do. And I think maybe... I look back on the times when I got it really wrong and, and I feel really, you know, felt really bad at the time because I, I left thinking, oh, crap, I just like really screwed that up. It was 
it, it was like you said, that sense of desperation. And I, and it was, I was desperate and I wanted somebody to like me and like, give me a chance, but that's, that's really a self-defeating kind of approach. Yeah, I think that's hard. And I, I think you see that in a lot of aspects of business, you know, that's, that's kind of sales. Um, no one really likes to be sold to the, yeah. the art of sales. And I'm not a salesperson, but I think the best salespeople are people that genuinely care about the other, you know, the customer, um, and the customer can feel that, that trust. And then, and, and then you sell them something that they need, um, that'll help them. But if you're trying to sell to them, you know, overtly and, and, uh, and you can, and even if you're desperate, most every, everyone in the world can sniff that out right away. And, uh, most people don't like that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think the internet has finely tuned people's BS meters, especially over the past couple of years. I mean, we, I, the statistic I saw was, you know, we see somewhere between five and 7,000 marketing messages every single day. And yeah. I mean, people just pick up on it. And even, you know, things like copywriting and, and sales pitches online, you know, the sensational sort of approaches that worked uh, even a year or two ago, uh, people are uh, seeing them more as, as being abrasive. So I, I think you're exactly right. It's, you know, I had a guy ask me one time, he's like, what, what, what do you actually mean by brand? And like your brand identity. Mm-hmm. And I think brand is actually probably the wrong term to use. I, I think of it more in terms of reputation. Yeah. What is your reputation? Like when people say Medicaid or Ken Aw, you know, or Kevin Kaiser, what's the reputation you want to have? And then, you know, everything you do needs to serve that, you know, whatever that reputation is that you want to have in the world. So I think brand just kind of has its its own baggage. Right. And, and I mean, if you, um, you know, I guess reputation is something that folds up into brand too. Um, you know, what mark do you want to have? What, what do you want to leave with someone? What's that feeling? What's that emotional connection or feeling that they have after they interact with your company? Um, yeah. And yeah, what do I, what are, what are the other people have to say about it? Um, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, let, I want to go back to this to the whole idea of audience because uh, you and your team there at Medicaid, you you spend a lot of time uh, helping companies find their audience, communicate with them, uh, and then convert those relationships into those you know those acquaintances into uh, fans who are willing right. to pay for what they want. So, how do you? You know, how do you find an audience today if you're just starting out? Um, you know, you have a new business, you have a new idea. Where do you start? Yeah, um, that's often the hardest part, isn't it? Um, you know, because, you know, if you have if you have a, the greatest idea that no one else is doing, well, it's either the most revolutionary thing or it's there's a reason why no one else is doing it. Right. And it's hard to make... It's hard to make that. Uh, it's yeah. That's often like a gut, but um, I think you know experience helps helps that. Um, yeah. But in sort of practical terms, you know, we're you know we we work largely 
in the internet, right? And so um, probably one of the first things I do when, when we're presented with an idea from a client or someone that's a potential client or even ourselves is just search out if anyone else is doing it. And, um, and oftentimes you'll find someone doing it uh, because you know, I, it's been very rare where I haven't found someone else doing something in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once, once you figure out if there's competition for it, then you can kind of measure if there's a demand for what you are, what you're looking to do. And, um, I think from the opposite side, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask, so how do you, how would you measure whether or not there's demand? You know, how do you know? Cause it, I mean, it's kind of a gut, kind of a gut right. check, but is there any kind of science that you guys put, put to it that, you know, that kind of puts a number on it and says, Oh yeah, there's demand or no, you guys need to go do something else. Yeah. Um, like how do you validate an idea? I think it goes through very, like various stages. Um, and some of them are just sort of gut, gut feelings, but, um, one simple one that's kind of, uh, a good, uh, one, one element of it is, you know, Google has like keyword, uh, keyword, um, I forget what they call it, uh, uh, keyword tools where you can measure like how many, to- how many searches for a certain, mm-hmm. um, phrase are happening on a monthly basis or daily basis or whatever that is. And so that's one way to measure demand because the fact is most people go to the internet when they're looking for something um, and they go to probably one of the big search engines. Um, and, and so figuring out if people are even searching for something that you're off, that you're looking to offer is, is step one. I think it's a, I think it's a very good barometer. I don't think it's the only one, but I think it's a really good one because you can say, okay, well, you know, 5 million people a month are looking for, you know, this widget or this concept that I, that, uh, this idea that I have or whatever mm-hmm. the service that I have that I want to offer. Um, and you know, the fact is like, if lots of people are searching for it, then they're probably, there's probably some competition out there. Um, I actually think that competition is a good thing for a few reasons. Um, one, it's actually very hard to, um, and it takes a lot of effort and money to um, inform and educate a person around a new area that they don't understand, they've never heard of before. Right. You know, and so having competition kind of, the, the great thing would be having competition that you know you can beat, but having competition um, accomplishes that already, right? They already, they've done some of the work on educating people and making them aware of this new thing that you're that you're doing this mm-hmm. area, and then all you have to do is go in and do it better. Um, and it's not necessarily as easy as it sounds. Obviously, it's the hard part. But um, I think I think have, being in a space where there is competition and, there, and that also that that says that there's some demand, um, and that also you know helps on the education side of things to your potential customer. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, man, I, I, I'm very interested in the work that you guys are doing in mobile uh, because mobile is becoming a, a, a massive part of, of our lives and, and, and how mm-hmm. we actually do business. And, and I'm really intrigued about, um, you know, talk a little bit about the, the mobile efforts that you're, you're doing, you know, maybe yeah. some examples of how, um, 
you know, anybody can use mobile for their own business. Uh, Cause I'm looking into this myself and, and I'm just scratching the surface, but it, it seems like a, there's some amazing tools available to people right now that almost nobody's using. Yeah. Um, and as you, as you guys know, like there's tons of different options when you, when you're looking to do something on mobile, you know, there are mobile apps, um, which could be native applications across the different devices. There are mobile websites. Um, and there's probably, you know, there's, there's mobile marketing. There's a whole bunch of different areas. Um, I think the easiest thing that everyone can do, especially from just a web perspective, like if you have a website for your business, um, making sure that it's visible on mobile and, and usable on mobile is sort of like the easiest, simple, simplest thing you can do that covers a whole, whole bunch of um, use case scenarios. Yeah. What, so, what, what has been, yeah. What's the easiest way to do that? You know, if somebody has, let's say, a WordPress site, yeah. how, how can you make sure that you're, you're mobile optimized? Well, the cool thing is um, I would say most, it's most themes that even if you buy a theme or, um, you know, you're using an out-of-the-box theme, I would say most of them, if not all of the newest ones, are what we call responsive. So as, as the screen shrinks, it responds and usually looks somewhat decent on a mobile device. Um, uh, and so usually that comes out of the box with, with if you, you know, something like a, a theme that you'd buy. You know, we do a lot of web development, obviously, from, from the custom side. And so there's not a website that we would put out that isn't mobile responsive at the very least. Now, I would say, and our team would say, like, well, just because it looks good on a mobile device doesn't mean it's optimized and usable on a mobile device because mm-hmm. someone uses a uses their phone way differently than they use their desktop computer. And so um, it's definitely kind of covering the base as long as it's visible. But, like, if we really want to dig in um, to how do we make the mobile experience the best? That probably has some contextual questions that you have to answer, which is, you know, well, does it make sense for you to invest money in a mobile experience? You know, um, if you're in, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're a store that's selling widgets for maybe an older demographic, maybe it's, or whatever that demographic is, maybe they're not on mobile as much. Maybe they use desktop a little bit more so maybe it doesn't make sense to invest in a mobile experience um rather the flip side is you know um i would say i, I think it seems i saw a statistic that said um that i think almost 50 percent of the commerce done over the, the last holiday season was done from a mobile device wow um at least on a platform that we use a lot called shopify which powers quite a bit of I mean, thousands and thousands of e-commerce stores out there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's definitely shifting there. It's something that you cannot ignore, um, but there's a vast spectrum of how much you can invest into it. And I think the question is, um, is it smart to invest into it? And that really depends on, I guess, the user, who your who your target customer is and how they use your, interact with your business. Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've been looking into a lot of uh, mobile mobile technologies and mobile strategies for myself, and and one of them I'll I'll actually 
I've actually used on this podcast or will after after we end it is using texting, text messaging, mm-hmm. SMS to uh, to help people connect with what I'm doing via the, the my weekly email newsletter or to get bonus material off of a website. Uh, are you guys doing much with SMS and text and and we've done we've done a lot of uh, a lot of our marketing campaigns do include like um, text to join campaigns, which is what we call it, which is basically like um, you know, and you've seen this. I guess a lot of services do this. I think even my dentist does this now. Like you know, they uh, text two to seven four four seven. Right, you sign up for it, and then they give you alerts, and and right. it's really valuable in that way. Um, so we do, we do do a ton of that. A lot of it is around, um, content distribution and marketing, like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite that, service? Um, you know what? The services that we use, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. It's not a super well-known one. Um, I know the platform that we've used a lot is called Twilio. Okay. T-W-I-L-I-O, I believe that's how it's spelled. Okay. I've used Call Loop. Have you ever used that? Um, I believe the one that we use most often is starts, it starts with an M. Okay. I think it's, I want to say it's called Mozio. It is, it is, it's called Mozio. Okay. But call loop. No, I haven't used that one. Matt, was that like a guitar in the background? (laughs) Uh, you know, it is Nashville. So maybe, no, it's, uh, I think it was just my keyboard. Oh, okay. Yeah. I heard this run like this rumble, (laughs) whatever. So, so Call Loop, Twilio, and Mozio. So yeah. those are those are three to check out. I would say like you want to be really careful about, um, you, you know, people's cell phone numbers and their email addresses, or just like their email addresses. It's very sensitive. It's even more sensitive and personal. And so, the uh, you don't want to burn out or abuse that, right? So anything you push to them, you always want to be thinking about: is it the most usable thing for them? Is it going to right. really enhance their life versus annoy them? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so, uh, yeah. That's a great point. It, uh, what you should, you should always think about um, the golden rule Do you know, how would I want to be treated? And, and what got me thinking about this, uh, you know, using mobile is uh, I'm speaking at a, at a writer's conference this weekend and, and it's always cumbersome to get people to, you know, to go onto a website, maybe to join an email list or to download something that, that you have for them. And that's one specific application where, mm-hmm. where mobile makes a lot of sense, where you can put up a slide and say, hey, right now, you know, text learn to, you know, here's the number, the number. And then they automatically get, um, you know, added to this, uh, to an email an email list. But yeah, you're exactly right. You have to be, again, it's just like the networking thing. You always have to be thinking what's in it for them rather than what's in it for me. Um, so it's that really strange balancing act of, of business that never goes away. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people get it wrong and that's, that's why you get, uh, that's why you get, um, these sales calls constantly from people trying to sell you warranties for your car. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What, what other tools are you using right now? Um, uh, you know, we have, uh, so I guess, I guess 
the thing that we focus on a lot, and I don't know, this is this is not as much a self-serve tool as as much as it is a concept. I mean, there are tools that help, but um, like I said earlier, we um, we try and make all of our decisions for the um, decisions that the customer makes for you, if possible. Right? We call that data. We call it data-driven decisions. Um, and so we use several tools to try and figure out what the customer is telling us, hmm. um, and um, do that with analytics platforms. And I know a lot of people use Google Analytics on most of their web tools and things. Um, but uh, we also, once we analyze that um, that behavioral data, we have to then sort of put give give them what we do, we call is A-B testing. So we actually give them options, right? Um, and they don't know that, but they're seeing maybe different experiences. That may be something as simple as on the front page of your website, you know, you have two different headlines that you're testing, right? Um, you wanna see which one converts better. And so there are tools that actually help you do those tests. Yeah. What, you know, measure, measure the data and, and those kind of things. Yeah, what, what tools um, could somebody listening to this actually start using today? So if you have a website, testing. yeah, if you have a website with traffic, um, a tool called Optimizely, it's an it's a A-B testing platform, Optimizely, they are the one that we use for all of our clients that we do what we call conversion optimization for. Um, they're excellent, and the data that you get back is great. Now, uh, it definitely takes a level of... Um, it's again, it's getting inside your customer and trying to figure out what they want. And it's, it's not hard, but it's definitely, it's sometimes a shift in mindset for a lot of people. Um, but you have a lot of power with those kind of tools. You can literally deploy a change to a site that you have and put, you know, put out several different options for people, you know, in, in no time pretty quickly and then measure the results. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how much, uh, when you're talking with your clients, and you're talking about the division of labor between you know creating your stuff, creating your content, and promoting it, you know getting the word out, networking. Is there a general sense for how that time is split? I mean, do people spend are you advising them to spend half of their time producing things and half the time marketing, or yeah, um, well, I would say it's a double-edged sword in a way. Um, our advice often is, and this is because a lot of people are not often thinking this way, um, but our advice is often to really focus on quality content um, before you do anything else. Um, I would say a lot of people, uh, they're, in, they're, you know, well, oftentimes they're trying to put out content again, like you, you've been saying this whole time, you're trying to put out content that is in their best interest, um, not necessarily in the person reading it's best interest. Um, and so I think that's a fail from the beginning. And oftentimes it means poor content um, or marketing content or content that's stuffed with SEO keywords and whatever else. Yeah. Um, and so our advice is always to write great content objectively, you know, um, and then obviously centered around the products and services or brand that you have, but write great content yeah. or produce great content, video content, audio content, images on 
on uh, Instagram or whatever else that is. Um, and, and make sure that it's original. Don't steal content. Don't copy someone else, you know, uh, make sure it's original and great. If you have that, then really the easy part is telling the world about it or telling your target customer about it. Um, there's tons of ways to get to people and to target them. You know, obviously social media, there's PPC campaigns, there's Facebook ads, and you can do some really advanced targeting. There's a, a new service, which we're using a lot called, called Outbrain, which is a content marketing service. Um, and it's a, and so anyway, there's tons of ways to get the word out, but the hardest part is really creating quality content and it's yeah. the most time consuming. Um, and so we generally advise people to focus and start there. Yeah. Yeah. Now Outbrain is Outbrain the, the application or the service where, um, you go to wired.com, you read an article and at the bottom it will say, Hey, you might also like yes, such and such. Outbrain is one of a few of them that do that. We found them to be, I think, one of the best um, because, unfortunately, this people are starting to ignore that content because, I mean, I see this on websites all the time, and I often see the same content below, below these articles, which are served up from networks like Outbrain. Um, and a lot of times the content's really not that good. Um, it's almost like... It's clickbait. Yeah, it's a trick to get you to click it. It's kind of... It's, so anyway, that's, that's the unfortunate side of it. But if you're creating quality content, um, uh, there's definitely a place for that, that strategy. Yeah. Um, and Outbrain, I think, we found to be one of the best ones. But yeah, it, is, it appears on Wired and, and uh, like CNBC, MSNBC, and all those sites. We've seen some really good, um, some good traction for target, targeted content in those areas. Hmm. I'll have to go check that out. Um, I, I looked at it once. It must have been about a year ago. And uh, I think it was maybe cost prohibitive at the time. But yeah, that's, that's a really good, really good tool. Um, well, tell me, well, I want to, I want to wrap up because I know you, you have, you have corners of the world to dominate and take <laughs> over, but, um, are there, are there websites that, that you're finding you're drawing inspiration from these days or, um, you know, what are your favorite must re- what are the must read blogs or websites for you right now? Yeah, um, I read. I read a lot of, uh, I guess, design blogs um, for design inspiration. Um, you know, honestly, like, uh, have you heard of Zite? I'm sure everyone has. It's a, it's sort of like a news reader app. I haven't. Z e i t. Z i t e. Um, it is. It's awesome, and that's where I get a lot of my blog content and it's 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 just cool because the way they present it it's presented really beautifully and actually you essentially you kind of choose your interests at Mm -hmm. the beginning and then they just kind of pull in content based on your interests and the content is generally good content i think they have probably curated list of blogs and things that they pull from um and so their sources are generally pretty good um so anyway i use site a lot for for that kind of reading um, 
and uh, and then I, like I said, I do a lot of uh, I search for a lot of design inspiration, um, design being product design as well as visual design, like all kinds of different things. Yeah. Um, and so there's a website that I use a lot for that. It's called awards.com, but it is got three W's. It's A W W W. Ah, awards. Yes. Uh, awards. Have you ever been on not, I think it's not cot.org in O T C O T. It's a, it's pretty, pretty rad. Um, I don't think I have. So there's that. And they basically spotlight, you know, really smartly designed yeah. and, and quirky kind of products. Um, now when it comes to gadgety things, I, I, um, I visit Uncrate as well. I don't know if you, have you ever been on Uncrate? Yeah, I have. Yeah. But it's things like, you know, here's a, here's a, um, James Bond style car that is also a submarine that you can have for the low, low price of a million (laughs) dollars. Right. You know, so stuff that you'll never buy maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's the, uh, there was an old, you know, back in like, I don't know, many years ago, there was like a magazine that did that, um, Oh, just, oh, where it's uh, quirky, like quirky I, things that yeah, like you'll things never have. that you would never be able to buy. But it was like had a crazy name. Um, I, I don't even want to try and say it. It's, Kanye it's West crazy. probably still gets that magazine. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure he probably does. Car made of gold. I'm all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ken, man, thank you. Uh, We'll we'll wrap this up so that you can go do what you need to do. But um, uh, people can find you on Medicake.com. Is there anywhere else you would like them to check out your work? Yeah, um, Medicake.com, M-E-T-A-C-A-K-E. That has all our work, our blog post content and everything. Um, Obviously, I'm also on, uh, you know, Medicake and myself. We're both on Twitter Twitter, it's at Medicake, and I am, uh, my Twitter handle is I am Ken Ott uh, on Twitter. But uh, there's probably a million ways to find what we do. Um, and uh, please, if you if you like it, please let us know. If you have any input, um, we'd love to hear about it. If a blog is helpful for you, to you, um, we love hearing those things because we put a lot of effort into our work and the content that we put out. When you guys do amazing work. Cool. So, well, thank you. I'm really saying that. Yeah, of course. And I, man, I'm I, I'm honored to have both you and Bob Bob Strack and his friends. It's uh, likewise. You're you're fun. You're you know it's it's people need cool people in their lives. Uh, it's what makes it worth it. And no one wants stress all the time. Nobody wants. Yeah. Hey, and and you guys are not the guys who suck. So <laughs> I and love that. that. And that's really great advice, you know, relationship advice. It's like, don't be the guy who sucks um, yeah. and is in it for himself. You guys are very generous. And, and uh, yeah, and I, I just want to tell the listeners, too, if you're ever in Franklin, Tennessee, go to the Starbucks. Chances are you'll run into Ken. Yeah, right. Or maybe and you can, the Backstreet Boys or something. And you can stalk him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I, I appreciate it. And um, thanks again for doing this. Same here, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, friends. We'll never miss another episode. Hit subscribe. 
to this podcast within your podcast app, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, what have you, and get me delivered straight into your device every single week. Uh, If you don't want to do that, head over to the website and check out all of the show notes and say hi. We'll catch you next time.